Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 56, and we're going to take a look at the Farm Labor Organizing Committee. But first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my listeners. So let me go to my lovely list here because you guys are awesome. I love to see you on here. It makes me very happy. I love it. So a big shout out to New York, Texas, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. Hey Rhode Island, good to see you there. Oregon, Indiana, and Washington. Awesome. I'm getting more and more viewers from Indiana. That's perfect. Okay. So let's go ahead and get started on this puppy. So this one is very interesting and and here's why. Okay, so um I was not completely aware of how visas work in the United States. Obviously because I am a citizen of the United States, I was born here. So I don't know the process of what it's like to come here whether legally or illegally and try and get a uh, temporary visa. and what all goes into that like i don't even really know everything the ins and outs to getting a green card i've worked with people that have had a green card and i know their struggle i understand what's going on with that but this is totally different because this is dealing with farm labor and what i don't like about this particular labor union is that they represent migrant farm workers And initially when I read that that it was migrant farm workers it made me think of gypsies. You know people that just are on the constant move and then the more I read about this organization the more I was concerned about what we have allowed to take place in the United States going back several decades. And here is why I'm concerned with this one. And it's because this is basically a labor union that is endorsing people to come here whether legally or illegally and work jobs that need to go to Americans first. That may offend some people, but let me tell you why you should not be offended. Here's why you should not be offended by what I just said. If you are a citizen of any country, your labor and your wages come first before people that are not born there or people that are not an actual citizen. people that are from other countries because if you are from the country that you're in and you have citizenship there you're the one that needs a job you know you are not responsible for other people you are responsible for yourself you know that's that 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 individualism that individuality and that's not selfish that's not greed it's being an adult it's being responsible it's the right thing to do That doesn't mean you're against people having a job, not at all. But the point with this one is, is that this particular organization, what it did was it kind of, how were this? It preyed on people that work in the migrant farming industry, and initially it looks like it's an organization that is headquartered out of the United States because it says it is headquartered out of Toledo, Ohio, and has a location in the United States. However, Some of their key people are from Mexico. And then they they have migrant workers that come up from the the southern Americas, those countries down there to get into the United States and not all of them are legal. So this or the this organization or labor union is promoting people coming here whether legally or illegally. And that's a big problem. 
And I remember several years ago when I was working a contract, I was working as a uh, an office manager at a counseling firm, which was interesting in itself, but um one of the people I worked with was a massage therapist. And she was shacked up with this guy. And he was he was a flake. He he was a hippie. Like she was probably in her 50s. He may have been in his 50s or 60s, but he like didn't cut his hair. He dressed really crazy and he looked like a slob. I mean, he didn't even look like he bathed. Well, the woman I worked with that was the massage therapist, she was actually pretty nice. She was a little weird in the beginning cuz I was like there's some there's something not right about her. But I was like, well, give her a chance, you know, you know when you're meeting people, you know, give them benefit of the doubt. That's why I look at things. And so we got to know each other. I was like, "Oh, she's actually kind of nice." And so she invited me over for a dinner. And it was me, um her, her boyfriend it was at his house which she shacked up with, and which I didn't know that. Because that makes me very uncomfortable going over to someone's house where they're shacked up because they're basically pretending to be married. And they think they're married, but they're really not. So they're basically already living a lie. So if someone's living a lie that way, it really opens the floodgate to live a lie in so many other ways. So that's what gets my attention with that. Cuz if if you really are married, then then you're married. If you're not married, then guess what? You're you're literally not married. So it was me, her, her weirdo, hippy dippy boyfriend who was a fat ugly slob and a know-it-all. I mean, he acted like he was an encyclopedia, but I mean, he didn't know squat. Even I could tell. And I was like uh 40 years younger than him or something. I could totally tell he was ignorant. But he had a way of trying to schmooze people and he could easily fool people, but not me. So it was me, those two, and then um two other women, and they were her friends. And so I was like, wow, this guy, he really is a hippie. He loves to be surrounded by women because there were no other men at this dinner, which I thought was odd. I was like, we just basically sat at this table. It was a nice dining room table, but he was at the head of it and it's like you could tell he just kind of viewed it as his little harem. It was weird and it made me really uncomfortable because I was the youngest woman there. And none of these people, most of them were 30 to 40 years older than me. I was like, why is she inviting me? I I just it just really kind of took me aback once I got there. Like once I got there, I had a bad feeling and I should have just said, "Hey, I'm not feeling good. I need to leave." I totally forgot to use the sickness excuse. And um but I stayed out of respect to her and I should have left. Um so the number one thing I'll say this, the number one thing that really creeped me out was when I walked in, she was quick to lock to, to lock the door behind me, the front door and then hide the key in this bureau. I found that creepy because I think if you're having people over, you don't lock them in the house. Like how are we going to get out if there's a fire or something like that? Most of the places I've been to at people's houses They just leave the front door unlocked. I mean, that's just because you're not going to be there for a long period of time. Maybe she just views things differently, but I thought it was really weird because she immediately locked the door, and it was kind of a—I felt threatened. It was weird. I did not feel comfortable. So then um, I go into the kitchen, and she's cooking stuff from her background, which I think is kind of Hispanic or Puerto Rican or something. I know she can speak Spanish, but I just don't know. specifically from which country of course she's cooking everything and that I meet the fat slob that's a hippie and I meet her two other friends and the meal was good so we sit down at the table and I, it made me really uncomfortable because I could tell he just likes to be around women he really does that's why he's never married her 
because he just likes to really get as many women around him as possible. Well, everything that came out of these people's mouths was horrible towards young people and I was in the age group of the people that they were dissing. They were falsely accusing young people that are in their 20s or 30s of being lazy and that you know the reason why we have these illegals here is because these lazy young Americans don't want to work. And I was like that's not true. I was like do you realize you're talking about your kids and your grandkids? Well, no, we're not talking about them or, you know, whatever they said. And I was just like, I was surprised that they were saying such horrible things about people like that, especially young people. I'm like, well, aren't these people like in your family? Like they were saying these horrible things about millennials. And I'm looking up what the age range of millennials. And I guess I am a millennial, which I guess we're called Generation Y. And so... That means that if you are a millennial or a generation Y, you're you are between the ages of 25 and 40. I'm 38, so I am a millennial. So they're saying millennial this, millennial that, and it was just horribly degrading and insulting. And I was just like, wow, why why did she invite me here if she she knows I'm young? And does she think I'm going to be okay with this? It was weird. So finally, I should have left them, but I didn't. I was I was so taken aback. I didn't know how to handle. um excusing myself and plus I would have to be like okay well I'm going to go get that key and get out of here you know but I didn't do that which I should have I should have read the writing on the wall but I I didn't realize well how do I word this I wasn't really trained on how to leave awkward negative environments I wasn't prepared for that cuz usually when someone invites you to what I thought was her house it was her boyfriend's house which was creepy I thought I was going to like a normal dinner This was not normal by any means. And so um we go into the living room and it was just more uh browbeating of young people. I bring this up because when I read about this farm labor organizing committee, that's what it reminded me of. Because we have a lot of people that are older than millennials and they think we're just all a bunch of lazy bums. and that these you know that we should be okay with illegals coming here and working because you young college students you know think you're too good to work that's not true are there some snobs sure but there there are snobs in every generation every generation but most of the young people i have met are really good workers they love their country and if anything they would love to go work on someone's farm especially during the summer months you know you know in between semesters or something they would love that and they actually love their communities but if you're only going on the opinion of the people like that I was around then you're you're really not getting the whole story and another thing if you're going off these people's negative opinion then you're going to give in to the temptation of not honoring the labor laws of your country you're not going to honor and enforce immigration law because that's the thing this hippie guy He was slowly convincing these other women in the room that oh, you know, because young people are lazy, we should just allow all these illegals here. Because our people don't want to do the work anyway. And I'm like that's not true. It it's not. And so it's one of those things that 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 remind me of that because this deals with labor laws, it deals with work visas, and it does deal with some scandal. And that really disappoints me that that we have allowed organizations like this to get away with not honoring our laws basically they 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 
how do I word this? They skirt the truth and they skirt the law. And that's not right. That's not the American way and that's not the legal way. And I don't know why in the United States we allow things like this to happen. I think what happens and from what I can see and what I've experienced in in my different jobs I've had over the years, if you have a if you have a pity party story or if you had some kind of sad story like something from a lifetime movie network special, people will cave in not go with their morals and values they will not follow the the laws of the land and they'll just cave in to your story and to your way of thinking because of of feelings and emotions well rules laws and regulations are predominantly not based on emotions or feelings and the reason why is because emotions and feelings can be very fickle and emotions and feelings don't always honor everybody it does you know my feelings if i only live off of my emotions and my feelings you know what are the odds of me respecting every person that i meet it would be pretty much zero or close to 1% right but when i when i look at society and i realize it's not all about me then that actually encourages me to step up to the plate and think about others and realize it's not all about me. Do we all have, you know, hardships in our life? Yes, but you know, we can all play our violin. But, you know, not everybody cares to hear your solo performance. But unfortunately, with organizations like this with the Farm Labor Organizing Committee, what they've done is they have allowed people that love to play their violin and they may have a really good story and it may be legit and it may be truly sad but what they've done is they have basically legalized pity parties and that's really bad because then you're not honoring the laws of the land that doesn't mean we're a hateful country because obviously we're not we've allowed people like this to mishandle labor and yes they have some important things that they have done but The first thing that got my attention was when it said they represent migrant farm workers. Why aren't they representing regular farm workers, like people that actually live in one spot and they work for one employer? Because there are people that do that. Actually, most of the farmers in Oklahoma are non-migrant farmers. They're they're non-migrant farm workers. Like Why aren't we focusing on putting America back to work? Why aren't we why aren't we focusing on American citizens having a good life first? Then we can help other people. But here's the thing. Organizations like this and people that love to undermine our country, that love to undermine our laws and they love to latch on to a cause, they love to complain about something. This is what happens with that. If all you're ever thinking of is I'm a victim, I'm a victim, or if you find someone to agree with you that you're a victim, or if you agree with someone that they are a victim, guess what? You're always going to have a victim mentality as opposed to a conqueror mentality. I have accomplished something in my life. I mean, they do have a few points in their favor here, but it's not many, and I don't mean that in a positive way to have some points in their favor because we're not it's it that doesn't describe it fully. I mean, there are some things that I agree with them on that you know, when you're working in the farm industry, it's a rough industry. Most of the time it's a grueling job. It's very difficult. It's not an office job. 
you're not an actor or an actress or a runway model. I mean, you're not a photographer. Like this is usually hard labor. It's very intensive usually. And most of the time, it's not completely safe. That's not to say anything against OSHA or other things, but you know, farming equipment can be very dangerous just on its own. One thing I do agree with them on is to help make the workplace safer in terms of the equipment and also help raise their wages within reason and to do it in a very appropriate manner. But unfortunately, as we've seen with other labor unions, this one bullied people. and they even had violence within their own union. So let's go ahead and start on this one. But first of all, I want to get a drink of water so I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. So I kind of wanted to give you a general introduction of kind of what we're going to be looking at because it is a different one. I was not expecting this at all. I didn't know that we had labor unions that I was going to say proactively and basically illegally represent migrant farm workers even those that are from other countries. And I think the reason why they do that is because they want them to become citizens and vote democrat. That is one way to get voters. And that is really sad because that's not what it means to be a citizen of the United States. That's a very shady way to get someone here and to become a citizen and to vote a certain way. Like I wouldn't even agree if they were trying to get people here to vote republican because that's not what america is about you know you you can't buy votes and you should not buy votes and that's what they're doing here they're helping the democratic party buy votes well people are not for sale and america is not for sale that's what disappoints me about this particular one but let's go ahead and get started so just some quick facts it was founded in 1967 i was surprised that it only went back to 1967 because farm labor has been around a long time in the United States like it's nothing new but what i think happened is that the 1960s i'm trying to think it was the 50s or the 60s where we saw some influxes of illegal workers immigrating here and unfortunately when you have democrats in office in terms of the presidency or even your local districts they they look the other way at stuff. And the reason why they look away is because they want illegals to become citizens so they can get their vote. Now we've had Republicans over the years as well, but they don't do things like this. I've never seen that in the Republican Party. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have not seen that yet because if I had if I had ever seen that, I would have spoken up about and be like, "Look, you're betraying your country if you're trying to buy votes like that because that's not right." Cuz even though I'm a citizen of the United States and I was born here, no one can buy me. You you can't buy my voice and you can't buy my vote. Cuz the moment you sell out is the moment you cave in and you lose your integrity and I refuse to do that. But unfortunately, some of these people do and they do it every day. But anyway, it's founded in 1967. It's headquartered in Toledo, Ohio, which is kind of weird that this would be headquartered in headquartered in Ohio. Has a location in the United States. However, it operates as like an international union. So I'm surprised it doesn't have a location elsewhere, which I find that kind of suspicious. Because I bet they do have other locations, they just don't want people to know about it. Because I bet you these other locations would let us know, "Hey, they're helping um illegals get into the country." They're basically importing people. almost like goods because they're they're just using them. 
So they're basically using them for labor, but then they're also going to try and use them for votes once they get them to be citizens of the United States. So that's the thing that I don't like about some of the shadiness of the Democratic Party is that they use people like they're like they're good. You know, like gasoline or a sofa or a car. It's what can I get out of you? See, the Republican Party doesn't do things like that. The Republican Party wants you to have a job and wants you to make a lot of money, wants you to be successful. They want you to be able to, to be able to provide for yourself and your family and to have a good life. Democratic Party, they just use people for money and votes. And I I personally don't like that. That that's just wrong. But anyway, I believe they do have other locations outside of the United States. They just don't want people really to know about it because if they did, it would be suspicious. They have 23,300 members and they have affiliations with the AFL-CIO, so it is a a legitimate labor union because they are affiliated with the AFL-CIO, which they have to be chartered However, this they have to be given a charter in order for that relationship to be established. So obviously, the AFL-CIO is endorsing and is okay with what these people do. So that's sad, because if AFL-CIO is endorsing these people, they're also protecting them, but they're not protecting the American worker, because they're technically protecting migrant farm workers that could be illegal uh, immigrants. and that's not right because if you're protecting someone that's here illegally then you're turning the other way from someone that is here illegally and they need a job like their rights are violated that's the thing is is when you when you look the other way and you don't acknowledge the laws of the land you're no longer protecting the actual citizens in your country you're protecting those that are not even part of your country and that's not the job of anyone that is in a position of power within a country you're supposed to protect those that you're supposed to protect like the United States we are the policemen of the world or police women whichever way you want to go with that but we are not responsible for everybody on the planet some people think we are but we're not like i personally don't care to be responsible for everybody on the planet that's not our job that's socialism technically and that that's not a good way to function in a society because then you lose equality and you lose freedom and one way we lose freedom is with organizations like this they prop up illegal immigrants and migrant farm workers any kind of migrant worker actually they prop them up like they're more important than people that are here and are already citizens and that's not right because it creates inequality So technically it is suppressing the rights of people that are legally here and it's oppressing people that actually have citizenship. And they think they have the right to do that. So what's sad about this one is that yes you have this this labor union but they're being protected by this other group, this affiliation that takes them in under their umbrella and helps them kind of get up and get going. That's the AFL-CIO. So obviously this is why I don't know how to describe this but this is why labor unions don't really care about people. They make it seem like they do but they don't. Because if they actually valued the American workforce, people that are already here in the United States and that are citizens, if they really valued the American workforce, 
They would not allow things like this to happen. They would stand up against it. But instead, they're making deals behind closed doors and, and twisting arms of congressmen, senators, and legislatures. That's not appropriate at all. In fact, it's inappropriate, it's illegal, and it's immoral. Unethical. I mean, I, I could think of a whole bunch of other words. But, you know, this is one of those things that we need to wake up to this. Because some of this has gone back decades. And some of this, I remember some of this coming up soon after... I think 2004, 2005, because I remember the HB something visas coming up. Um, I was in and out of school in terms of college, but I remember, because I, I love to watch C-SPAN. That's one of my favorite channels to watch, because it's very calming to me. I don't know why, but I find it very calming, and you learn a lot. And I also love to watch uh, the British House of Commons on the BBC. I love learning about the, the UK's government. I also find that very calming, and it's really um, educational. Um But when I was watching C-SPAN one time, I just happened to be in between classes or something, so I turned on the TV. And I heard about um, these HB visas and what was going on with these. And I just thought, what in the world are we doing having any kind of visa that's not for a citizen of the United States? Like, why are we allowing foreign workers to come in here of any kind and take any kind of job away from the American workforce? And there, the, 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 the excuse that I hear all the time is, well, Americans are mostly middle class and they don't want to do that kind of work because they think they're too good for it. Are you kidding me? Why don't you go to Texas or Oklahoma or Kansas and meet the farmers that live there? Go to the Bible Belt. There are a ton of farmers that live in that area and also Tornado Alley. There are a lot of hardworking American people That would love the opportunity to have these kinds of jobs. They don't think they're too good. What's interesting is the people that typically think Americans are too good to do this kind of work, they're usually people that are from the coast, the east or west coast. And it's like, you know, it's like calling the kettle black. You think that we think we're too good to do that kind of work, but yet you're on the coast and you look down on us because you think we're hicks. For living in the central part of the United States. But let me tell you something. When you live in the central part of the United States, you have to be tough to live here. Like just in Oklahoma, you have to be tough to live here. We have extreme weather. We have blizzards, snowstorms, ice storms. We have black ice, white ice, tornadoes, um, sleet, hail, floods. We have flash floods, and they're very dangerous here. I talked about this in like a way previous podcast more towards the beginning that you know sometimes we have floods and our our soil is not the best soil it's not like the south or um what's that called not silicon valley but napa valley I guess I think is what it's called out in california our soil is not rich like that I mean we can still grow stuff here but it's not the same as other places but our soil it gets easily easily washed away with water So whenever we have flash floods, what's really scary is when the water picks up that soil and then you're driving, like especially at night, and you can't tell you've run into water until you actually hit it because the water doesn't glisten anymore when it has dirt in it. So all you know is that the road has just completely disappeared and next thing you know, you're in water and that's what happened to me. So it's one of those things like you, you have to be tough to live here. So I always find it interesting whenever people that are from East Coast or West Coast turn up their nose at us. And I'm not saying all of you are bad. You're not. 
But it's usually some of the people you see on TV, which is why I hardly ever turn my TV on except to watch something I really want to watch, which is usually a DVD or Netflix or something. But there, there's just this snobbiness that, usually from the coast, that they think that the rest of us don't want to do that kind of work. So, you know, now we're going to have to have these foreign workers come in and, oh, they're poor They've had a hard life. We, you know, we should just have them all be citizens of the United States. Are you kidding me? You're screwing us out of our work. And you, you are decreasing our safety by allowing people from other countries to come in here unlawfully and illegally. They may, they may or may not even have real documents on them. Like we don't even know if their papers are legit. And then based on who's president... You know, there's some presidents that are for border patrol. There are some that are not. Well, you know, being I'm from Oklahoma and we're close to the border, I feel sorry for Texas and Arizona with this, but, you know, we are fairly close to the border and we have major highways. And so we do get problems here with drugs and violence and gangs and things like that. It's not as bad as Texas, but safety is very important to the central part of the United States. And people that are closer to the border, which California and you know, the, the states on the West Coast and the East Coast, they don't understand what we deal with in terms of really valuing border, border patrol and controlling our ports of entry. Because it's, you know, here, let me put it this way. Like, I know that there are drug problems in Los Angeles, and they have a huge problem with homeless people. I know that. But I don't ever take the attitude that, well, I know more than you, even though I don't live there. I don't know more than you. What I do know is that you've got some huge problems there, and it's not being handled correctly. I do know that. But my point is this. Whenever people from the coast look down on us for, for things that we have going on here, that would be like me looking down on where you live, even though I don't live there and I don't know everything. So, you know, I don't know how else to describe this, but it gets old when people who, who are not from an area think they know everything about our market, they think they know everything about our communities, and then they're trying to tell us what to do, but yet they're not even willing to honor the laws that are on the books at a federal or state level. And I just want to say, who are they to tell us what to do? These snobs on the coast. And if you're not a snob and you live on the coast, then obviously I'm not talking to you. But it's one of those things. It's like, you know, we, we really need to work on being a nation and coming together, not pulling apart. And organizations like this that are labor unions and they're dealing with immigration, they are ripping our country apart by bringing in people that are not supposed to be here. We have an immigration system that actually works. People are complaining because they're not getting what they want. They're like a stupid kid, and I love children, but some children are stupid when they throw their hissy fits. And they throw, usually throw a hissy fit on aisle 7 or 9 in a Toys R Us. And again, Toys R Us went bankrupt and is no longer here. But seriously, People over-complain about stuff, and they don't understand there's a reason why we have a process in place, why we have policies and procedures in place, especially when you're dealing with your country. It's to protect your country. Like, we are not, 
how do I word this? Okay, America doesn't report to any country. It, like that just doesn't happen. We are a world power. We're number one. We're number one because we have true freedom. We have democracy. We have fair trade, free trade. That doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that things are free. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, what that means is what I'm referring to is that you are free to trade a product. Like you are free to go to Walmart and buy as many hams as you want. But if you live in a fascist or communist and sometimes a socialist, you know, country. You're not always free to do something as simple as that. You may not even have access to meat, which is what happened in the USSR. That's why a lot of their people died from starvation, and why a lot of their children had vitamin D deficiency, vitamin C deficiency, and they had rickets, and a lot of their children died. So you have to look at from the, from how we're. It's like looking at a painting. You know, each country is its own painting. And unfortunately what these other countries are trying to do especially in the in the in the Americas whether it's Central America or South America they're just using the United States for for money and for cheap labor. And they don't really care to honor our laws and the way we know that is because they're coming here illegally. But yet let me let me tell you this. If you were to try and get into Russia illegally or Iran, you would probably be killed. Or if you tried to get into Saudi Arabia illegally, they don't put up with that. What about getting into France illegally? They don't put up with that. But the United States puts up with it. We don't have to put up with that. Like the safety of your country comes first, not other people from other countries. But unfortunately with this organization, they don't really value the safety of america as a whole because they put themselves up above everybody else and they think their agenda is more important which it is not it is not more important why because we have equality and we have true freedom freedom and democracy but they they don't even honor laws the laws of the land you you basically the laws that we already have on the books that we know work Well, they they cry wolf and they complain. They say, "Well, it doesn't work." Well, what do you mean it doesn't work? Well, you know, we want to have these people be legal legal citizens. Well, okay, go through the immigration process. It takes too long. We don't want to do that. Well, why don't you cry cry about it someplace else? This is the process that we have. Just because you don't get a Snickers bar every day, that doesn't mean that you have permission to go into a Target or a Walmart or a Sam's Club and steal a whole box of them just because you don't get what you want. It's greed. It is pure greed and it's evil. It is so wrong not to honor another country's laws like that. But unfortunately, we have people that are in the United States and they just view us, even Americans do this. They they think the United States is just a doormat for everybody. They think that we've wronged all these people. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you're going to pull up if you're going to pull the colonization card or or whatever or the gentrification card, we've never done that. We have never done that as a country. We the United States has never colonized anything. Guess what? We stayed home. <laughs> you know, we we never went into somebody else's backyard. We stayed here. I mean, it's just the Ugh, it just makes me go, my goodness, like I feel like I want to get botox. 
in my forehead because it's just frustrating. Because the ignorance level is so high when dealing with this. And I'm going, you know what? I was aware of labor laws when I turned 14 or 15. I think I was 14 because I wanted to, I actually wanted to get a permit to work as soon as possible. I was willing to ride my bike or walk to work, but I was not allowed to work until I was 16. But before I turned 16, I looked up several laws. Like I wanted to learn more about stuff. I didn't always understand what I was reading because I was really young. But the more I worked in the workforce, the more I don't know how to describe it, the more I loved my country because I loved being a part of America. Well, here's the thing. When you have people that are here illegally, they're not here for the right reasons. They can say, "Oh, I'm oppressed, depressed, suppressed in my country." Okay, why don't you go back to your country and fix that? Why don't you go back to your country and fight for that? Like just because someone's going through a lot of bad stuff in their homeland, that doesn't give them permission to immigrate to another country and violate someone else's laws. I don't care what their sad sap story is. I don't care. That that's not cold and heartless. That's reality. It, what I find interesting, I'll say this as well. What I find interesting about the liberal left, because not all Democrats think this way. It's just the crazy nutbag liberal left that think this way. They're all for just opening our borders, but yet, but yet they complain. How do I word this? They complain about our carbon footprint. I'm like, you're you're willing to bring in more people here, and they're illegal. So if you really care about the carbon footprint of this country, why are you willing to bring in thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people? Like that's the hypocrisy of the liberal left. They say they care about the environment. I was like, "Well, then how come you're just willing to throw away our natural resources on people that don't belong here?" And that's not harsh to say that when someone doesn't belong somewhere, they literally don't belong there. If they want to come here, they need to do it legally. Like it would never dawn on me to go to another country illegally and then expect them to pay me thousands of dollars to live there and to just mooch off of their healthcare system or mooch off their benefits. But that's what people do to the United States all the time, and those are our tax dollars going towards people that don't even legally have status here, but yet they play their violin. Well, what about our violin? This country belongs to us. It belongs to the people that are actually citizens. It does not belong to foreigners. Let me say it again: the United States does not belong to foreigners. Period. It'd be like if if I went to I'll just make something up. Let's say I go to the, uh, the uh, Ukraine, and I'm a foreigner. How dumb would it be to think, oh, your country belongs to me? I should get citizenship immediately, and I should get unemployment benefits. I should get Medicare, Medicaid. I should get free health care. I shouldn't have to work. I should get unemployment. I should get disability. I should get Social Security. Give me all these thousands of dollars a month. Well, you, the citizens, work, and then whatever taxes come out of your check goes into my bank account. Do you really think Ukrainians are going to put up with that? No, no, that's insane. And if they are putting up with it, then they are really stupid. They're dumb if they're doing this. Which some European countries are dumb, and one of them is Germany. That that Merkel lady, I don't even know if she's still their president, minister, or whatever she is, prime minister. I don't know, but she has really let the German people down when she let all these Muslim people in. It was horrible because then they got all they got paid basically to be illegal there and not work. 
And the German people really suffered. And the women really suffered in that country because you had all these young, most of them were young Muslim men that came into Germany and they were sexually and physically assaulting these German women. And these Muslim men that do not understand the Western way of life, they're so stupid and ignorant. And they're so hateful towards women. They think that if you're wearing a skirt, it's okay to sexually assault them. It was such a problem in Germany with young women being raped and sexually assaulted and physically assaulted by these Muslim men, these young Muslim men that don't honor or respect women even in their own country. It became such a huge problem in Germany that the the men of the country, the the, the German men there, they said, "Okay, so you think it's okay to sexually assault or physically assault a woman because she's wearing a skirt?" Well, they had a national skirt day. So all these men, this was funny. I loved it. They wore skirts to their jobs. So you saw all these German men in like their business suits up top, but then they wore a lady's skirt on bottom and some of them wore heels. I mean, it was hilarious. Cuz like really, you think that if someone wears a skirt, they they deserve or they're asking to be violated. Really? Bring it. Let, let's see what you can do. And it was hilarious just seeing these pictures of these men these european men all wearing women's outfits because they were trying to make a point and here's my point with this you have to be careful who you let in your country and i think germany really woke up to their leader yet again failing them again because it's a failure of leadership to not pay attention and to not care about your country and to not care about the people that are actually legally there in your country and that are actually citizens because they have a right to safety and they have a right to know what's going on and that's very similar to here with this labor union so let's continue with this one it says the farm labor organizing committee also known as FLOC is a labor union representing migrant farm workers in the Midwestern United States and North Carolina. FLOC was founded in Toledo, Ohio in 1967 by Baldemar Velasquez, a migrant worker who had worked in the field since he was 6 years old, which I find that very odd because we haven't had child labor in a really long time, so I'm guessing he was um working in the fields probably in another country like Mexico or Guatemala, Venezuela, somewhere like that because that that probably would not have happened in the United States, especially during this time because we've had labor laws for a long time and even farmers pretty strictly obey those laws with that because they don't want to be thrown in jail. They they don't. A migrant worker who had worked in the field since he was 6 years old, Velasquez led his first strike at the age of 12. That tells me he's been brainwashed by an adult. No 12-year-old knows how to do a strike. They wouldn't even think of that. I'm trying to think what grade would that be. So that would be sixth grade. As a sixth grader, I would have never known about labor laws and going on strike. An adult brainwashed him and told him to do that. And that's not the American way. So obviously, he brought this from another country. They don't want to say it, but that's what it was. Because think about if you, think about it. if you have a 12-year-old, do you really think your 12-year-old is going to walk into the living room and say, "Mom and Dad, I'm going on strike. I'm so sick and tired of mowing all these lawns. You know, I want more pay, more money, and I'm going to go on strike. And if I have to sue people, I will." Like what? Like, but but doing like a legal way. 
your 12-year-old would not even know about that. They may say I don't want to work anymore or I'm sick of this, but they don't know to go on strike as part of like in the way of like a labor union. They're children. They can't vote. They can't drink. I mean, they they ha- technically haven't passed the 8th grade reading exam because at least here in Oklahoma, you know, when I was 16, you had to prove that you had passed 8th grade reading. in order to get your driver's license. I don't know if it's still like that today with literacy. I just don't know. But my point is this. When I was 12 years old, I mean, I loved working like at home or something, you know, like I loved doing chores and whatnot, but it it never dawned on me to to have a strike. And here's the thing, whenever I would watch the news with my parents, I never really understood the adult things going on on the news, but yet this kid somehow knows at age 12 to go on strike. You got to be kidding me. Brainwashing. He's being led and molded and groomed by somebody else. No 12-year-old knows how to do that. He was manipulated big time. Big time. It says by the time he was 20 years old and a college student, Valasquez had already faced numerous beatings and arrests. probably not in the United States. This is probably in Mexico. But in 1967 with the help of his father and others, see, his father, I bet his father was a socialist. And others, Valasquez organized FLOC among migrant field workers picking tomatoes in Ohio. See, here's the thing. He did not organize that. It was the adults that were brainwashing him. It was his dad and their family members. So that's what they do. They brainwash their kids into being victims. Could there be bad stuff going on within the, the farm industry? Sure, but it's not just to migrant workers; it's to all workers. So, if something is affecting one group of people, that it needs to be addressed with all people. But unfortunately, this labor union doesn't view people like that. They focus on the few in order to suppress the many because they want money. It's about greed, and we'll see that later on. FLOC's initial organizing strategy was to focus on workers, as most unions did. FLOC organizers followed migrant workers year-round, so basically they're trying to get uh, recruits, moving south to Texas and Florida every winter to build an organizing base. By 1967, however, FLOC had only 700 members. In 1978, Valasquez decided to adopt a new organizing strategy. The union believed that Ohio tomato workers would be unable to recruit enough workers to see them through a long strike. So that year 2000 FLOC members waited or sorry, walked off their jobs in Ohio. So basically they're just going to leave until they get what they want. So basically the kid throwing a temper tantrum in aisle 7 at Toys R Us, here we go again. While some growers were willing to negotiate big canners such as the Campbell Soup Company, were unwilling to pay the higher prices which would accompany a unionized workforce. FLOC initiated a boycott at Campbell's. Six years later, not much had changed, even though FLOC had conducted a well-publicized 560-mile march from Toledo to Campbell Soup headquarters in Camden, New Jersey. So basically, they walk off the job and walk 560 miles, and then they're complaining about pay. Really? Get back to work. And here's the thing, it says here, 6 years later, not much had changed. I wonder why. They don't know how to negotiate. 
They're probably one of these unions that is very unrealistic about labor costs as opposed to to wages. So probably they don't understand accounts payable receivable, they don't understand profit loss, they don't understand audits, they don't understand banking, they don't understand entrepreneurship, they don't understand companies. Like they're ignorant. And it's not just because they're migrant. You don't have to be a migrant worker to be ignorant. Like people need to be like whenever you're working for a company, this is how I view it. Whenever I work for a company, I view myself as a financial asset. Even if I'm not happy with my job, I view myself as important and that I am a blessing to my employer. Because if I don't view it that way, I am shooting myself in the foot with negativity in my brain and in my work. Because an employer is more likely to reward you and to help you if they if they see that hey, she's still showing up to work, she's not happy with a couple of things. You you know, maybe we can negotiate on some things, and that's what I've done at several of the jobs I've had over the years. I've said, hey, this is what's bothering me, or this is what's happening here. Here's a possible solution, because then the employer sees that you're trying, and they may very well tell you no. They have every right to do that. But see, here's the thing: these people, they don't think the employer has the right to say no. They say, give me the money or else. Gee, who else does that? A crook and a holdup. Hands up, give me your money. That's what it means. That's what they're doing. They're throwing a pity party, and then they're publicizing it to get to get you know the public on their side. I was going to say the the mass media, but that's not true in this case. They're basically crying wolf, but yet they're not even doing their job. Now, if someone was still showing up to the job and still giving it their best, but yet they're like, "Hey, we want to, we want to work this out. We need to negotiate." You know, here's what you do in this situation: you, you bring the numbers to the table. You do your research. What is your labor costing the employer? What are your wages costing the employer? And also, what are other people within your industry? What are they making an hour or a year? Is it reasonable what what you are demanding or what you're wanting? My guess is is that it was not reasonable, because it usually is not reasonable with these unions. It's almost always an extremely inflated amount, and it's like never good enough. Well, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of people that are in couples therapy. And it's like you always have one one person in in the relationship that that just caves in all the time, which means the other person is the is the manipulator and the more dominant spouse, right? Well, eventually those marriages fail. Almost all of them fail when that happens, because you have one person that won't stand up, but they've been bullied so much that they can't take anymore, and then the other person who is the bully, nothing is ever good enough. So then the person that's been bullied so long, they're like, I can't take anymore. I'm out of here. That's what it reminds me of. It's bullying. Like if you really care about someone, you don't bully them, especially if you disagree with them, because if you want someone to come to your side. you find common ground even if it seems impossible you find common ground not just to get your way but to be kind and respectful but these people did not do this and i'm not surprised because the kid was brainwashed and he thinks that he should be able to do whatever he wants well sorry you can't maybe he needs to grow up and be a man but probably he did not so it says here even the support of the national council of churches and a group of catholic bishops in ohio fell to sway the company. Okay, so we already know how I feel about the Catholic Church, and I forgive them. Again, I forgive them. In regards to this, 
This really disappoints me that this bad behavior of Catholic bishops goes back this far. And this is back to 1983. What this reminds me of, it reminds me of when there was, I think Obama was president. I think it was President Obama that was president. We had all these um illegals at the border that they rushed the border, I guess, when President Obama became president because they knew that, let me put it this way. The whole planet knows that whenever the United States gets a Democrat in office, People can push the envelope. They can ignore our laws, and they can just rush our borders. And the Democrats are like, "Oh, we feel sorry for you. Give us your vote," and they just cave in. Well, that's what happened at the border um, with Mexico here. So, what the Catholic Church did here in the United States, especially in Oklahoma, via Catholic charities as well, they were trying to send people down there to try and help these illegals get into the country. and they brought uh, lawyers they they were trying to hire and recruit oh not only were they trying to hire lawyers the catholic church from oklahoma um they were trying to get lawyers to volunteer so not even pay them to help them go or they were not even uh wanting to pay lawyers from oklahoma but wanted them to go down to the border and help illegals become legal like help them with the with the uh immigration process i'm like wow how cheap and stingy can you be catholic church I mean, it's just unbelievable. But you have these bishops that they're so, you know, anti-capitalism. They're so anti-America. They're so anti-democracy that they don't even honor the laws of the land, and they side with the wrong people. And that happened back during Obama's administration, because I remember hearing some Catholic bishops on um, online on the radio, and um, I think at the Sooner Catholic here about. Catholic charities in the Catholic Church were trying to get volunteers to go down to the border and help these immigrants or you know these illegals. I'm like, why are we going down there? It's the border patrol that needs to handle that. But you know, the Catholic Church they had their own agenda. They thought that we should just allow anybody into the country. I'm like, wow. So obviously the Catholic Church doesn't know how to run a country. They obviously don't value safety. and they obviously don't value our laws our federal laws much less our state laws but our federal laws but think about how many uh, court cases have gone to the federal court and the the catholic church has been like oh we're being oppressed or you know this is being done to us or you know this is what we don't agree with it's like really so you're fighting for your rights but what about the rest of ours that's the thing that's one that's another thing that disappoints me about the catholic church was that it put other people ahead of the safety of the people that lived here in this country. Of like so because we actually live here and we're actually citizens, we don't matter anymore. And you're just going to use me for money and, and for you know the services I can provide if I were a lawyer. Oh, and they also want doctors from these churches to go down there. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. You want board certified doctors that need to be helping people in their towns and cities you want them to leave their practice their private practice to go down to the border and help people that are coming here from other countries we can't verify who they are and they could be bringing in very infectious diseases because other countries especially in in the in the Americas um Central America and South America they have a lot of tropical diseases that we don't have here in the United States and they don't always get vaccinated for stuff Like we need to be careful what we are allowing into the country especially from a CDC point of view. 
Like I look at it this way, if the Catholic Church doesn't even value or honor our federal laws, don't they at least value the health of the people here and then value the safety? Obviously not. So I guess the Catholic Church doesn't really understand federal law, state law, CDC guidelines, the uh, vaccines, the safety of, of citizens, our health, our healthcare system. It, it's just like a free for all. A Catholic Church acts like a socialist regime sometimes. Sometimes fascist, but especially socialist. It should all be free, but yet they're just begging for your money and then they shame and blame you to get more money out of your pocket. Really? I don't think so. That is so wrong. Like that really bugged me when this happened um down at the border and I thought, you know, what about our safety here? What about the women and children of the United States? I mean, we all matter, but it's like, you know, whenever you have bad stuff happen, it's usually the women and the children that suffer the first and the worst. So I always get real concerned with stuff like that. Because if their lives matter at the border, my life matters. But when the Catholic Church gets involved with stuff like this, they're not honoring both peoples. See, in this particular example, when it said a group of Catholic bishops in Ohio failed to sway the company, well, That's the heavy arm of the fascist Catholic Church bullying this employer. Who are they to tell a company owner what to do? They don't own it. You know what that reminds me of? This reminds me of back in England, back when King Henry VIII, which he was not a good man, but back when he was king, and he's the one that killed a bunch of his wives because he wanted a male child. Uh, and then the one male child he did have, one of them, I don't remember how many kids he had, but one of them, He did have a male child and it died because it had a blood disorder. But anyway, you know, King Henry VIII, he got really angry at the Catholic Church. Number one because uh, the Pope would not grant him a um a divorce or an annulment from his first wife. And then secondly, the Catholic Church got, you know, they had way too much land, way too much power, way too much money and the king took note of that. He's like, "How is it you have all this land and this money?" I don't agree with hardly anything King Henry VIII did, but he dethroned the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church in England at that time was trying to act like everybody's employer. Well, that's what it reminded me of here, where we have these Catholic bishops. They're trying to bully this employer. They say sway the company, but how do you think you know bishops sway people? It's through their authority. Do you think that was a very pleasant conversation? I imagine it either went the bullying route or the oh I'm just here to protect the worker. I'm just a humble servant of the Lord. Give me a break. No you're not. You're siding with people that don't want to show up to work and then demand higher wages all the time. You kidding me? You kidding me? And again, if I had known the Catholic Church was like that back when I converted, I would not have converted because You have to honor the laws of the land and if you don't like the laws of the land, get out. Go live someplace else. But guess what? The United States is one of the best countries to live in, if not the best country to live in. Why else would people be trying to get here illegally? I mean, I just find it interesting that the Catholic Church, the thing that really bugged me about this and also with the thing that happened during Obama's um years was that the Catholic Church was basically just using the democrat that was president as a way to not honor our laws yet again. 
and to do what they want because they claim to be humanitarian. I'm like, really? So being humanitarian means that you can break the law or you can find a loophole. So it's okay for you to find a loophole, but if somebody else finds a loophole, especially an executive on Wall Street, oh, they're evil. They should go to jail. They should pay millions of billions of dollars in fees and fines or whatever. Go to federal prison, but yet look at what the Catholic Church does. They find loopholes all the time. Why? Because they're considered a non-profit. They make bank. They are not poor and they are not broke. You just open up their vault and see what's in there. Just think about all the millions of dollars that have been doled out because of these lawsuits that we discussed in a previous podcast. But see, here's the thing. Again, you have the wrong people in leadership. And in this case, these are some really bad dudes doing this because here they are trying to intimidate a company, trying to tell them what to do with their labor force. If I'd been the CEO, I'm like, well, you know, I guess you can leave my property and don't ever come back. Enjoy the soup. But you really have no say in this company. You're not on the board. You don't pay their wages. You don't make decisions. You don't have to deal with the state laws, federal laws, local laws. You don't have to deal with any of that within this company. You don't own it. So stop acting like you do. That's what that happened there. People may not know that just from looking at that one sentence, but that's what is behind that because I've seen it before. Sometimes religion You know, it can be used for good and it can be used for evil. And I think that was very evil what they did. And I'm not just saying it just because they're Catholic bishops. But here's the thing. I don't like it when people use religion to bully somebody. It's wrong. I don't care if it's the Christian faith, the Muslim faith, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. Like, don't ever use your religion as an excuse to bully somebody, especially when, when you're doing the wrong thing. I mean, it's just like, you got to be kidding me. You know, one of the things about being a Christian, and I do believe, you know, these Catholic bishops are Christian. You know, I do believe they are, but they failed at this. They failed at being a Christian in this scenario because they're not honoring the laws of the land. And they're trying to intimidate and bully an employer. I mean, do you think Jesus would be okay with, with that behavior? No, I mean, not the Lord I serve. But unfortunately, they give themselves permission to get involved in stuff they have no business being a part of. And they're not even educated enough to understand what's going on. Because, you know, bishops, they don't run a business. They run an archdiocese or a diocese, whatever the case may be. If, you're, if it's a diocese, I think it's just a bishop. But if it's an archdiocese, then you have an archbishop. I think that's how it works. But either way, they, they, they don't run a business. They're running churches. That's not the same. That, that's not the private sector and it's not the public sector. I, I guess it's the non-profit sector, I guess. I don't know how to describe it, but it's, it's not the same as the Campbell Soup Company. And I just think the arrogance of, of getting involved in that. You know, maybe if they want to get involved, maybe they should go to law school first. Or read an OSHA poster. I mean, really, like just basic education But you'd be surprised how many bishops and priests in general, even nuns, oh, they're worse. They're so ignorant and so, un- so uneducated about labor laws and entrepreneurship and business practices. That's probably why there's so much fraud within the Catholic Church. It's because they, they don't, I mean, I know they know when stuff is wrong and, and uh, illegal and it's immoral and it's evil, but 
they just have this free for all attitude there there are so many hidden socialists within the catholic church it's creepy and they use the excuse oh i've taken a vow of poverty i'm humble i'm catholic they use that excuse to bully people when they have money and the only reason why they're bullying them is because they're jealous of the money that somebody else has so i don't you know i learned all that as i said before in a previous podcast you know whenever we had these priests from other countries come visit us one of the parishes i attended was very wealthy we were known as the money pit and i hated that i just hated it because we were being used for money if someone had a pet project there was a priest in another country it was it was they were given permission to come here and and try and hit us up for money we hated it and there's some people that fell for it but i'm like look why don't you go get your own job i work why don't you You know, if I want to have a pity party, I could have one of my own, so I really want to hear yours. But unfortunately, we would get these priests all the time, multiple times a year. I mean, it was it was like a revolving door of give me, give me, give me your money. But yet they're always from poor, mismanaged countries, usually crooked governments. And they usually have fraud or human rights violations or things like that, and it's like really I'm not going to pour my money down a rat hole. You want to make some change? Why don't you go back to your country and work it out with your government officials? You know, why don't you have a backbone? Stand up for your people. That's what the shepherd's supposed to do. That's why they call it the good shepherd, not the bad shepherd. Like, what kind of shepherd leaves his flock and says, "Oh, I'll be back in two weeks. I'm going to go to this rich country, go get some money. You guys just feed off the grass, but don't walk off the ledge." That's what that's like to me. I would just sit there in the pew and go, "Are you kidding me?" Yet another bad shepherd come here begging us for money. Who's watching and tending his sheep? And who gave him permission to come here and ask for money like this? It was a revolving door. I'm just, you know, the first couple ones that came through, I didn't give to any of them. But I was just like, you know, I I hear your sad stories, so I pray for them and I just stop praying for them. I'm like, I'm sick of hearing it. Because they would try and shame you into giving you money. or sorry trying to shame you into giving them money and they wouldn't give you money not by any means cuz quote unquote they're humble they're poor they you know they're doing the work of the lord so that gives them permission to shame and blame you especially if you have money and because if you have money they use that whole um that verse from the bible um is easier for our eye is easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to get to heaven they use that all the time to demonize money and to demonize rich people. I'm like that is not even what that verse is talking about. They pull that one verse out of out of context and they manipulate it. When people have money, it's because they're blessed from God. God wants us to have money. He never said all rich people are going to hell. He never said rich people can't get into heaven. That's not what that means, but these priests that would come visit us that were greedy and they were usually hideous slobs that came to visit us. I'm like, "Really? At least brush your teeth, at least brush your hair when you come into this country. At least take care of yourself physically. Hopefully physically, spiritually, and mentally, but they would come here and be greedy." So when I see things like this, I'm like, "Where have I seen things like this before?" Well, that is where So you have to be careful who you do business with and and let me tell you this listeners. 
If ever someone pulls the faith card on you and they're trying to make you feel bad about something, walk away. Be respectful about it by by any means. Do the usual, be cool, calm and cool and just walk away from it. Because here's the thing. Here's how you know when something is not from God or not of God and is not holy and it's not good and true. If it degrades you in any way or shames you in any way, it is not from God and it is not the Christian thing to do. That's how you know. That's how you know a wolf in sheep's clothing. Is if what they're saying doesn't match their actions or their actions doesn't match what they're saying. If it degrades you or makes you uncomfortable or shames you or embarrasses you in any way, it is not from God. And it is not the Christian way to live or to do business. That's how you know a wolf in sheep's clothing. And we got so many at our at our parish. It was horrible. I was like, "Man, I've seen so many wolves. I feel like I've been to the zoo today again." It's it's just sad. But anyway, I'll move on. So, take a deep breath. Move on. Okay. So, in 1984, FLOC asked labor organizer and consultant Ray Rogers for help. Rogers developed a corporate campaign strategy which included a resolution and well-publicized demonstrations so shaming and blaming at a Campbell Soup shareholder meeting so they're basically interrupting a private business meeting. Shareholder meetings are private unless you have public shareholders there. Mean like people can buy your stock. They are interrupting a business meeting. This tells me they don't even they don't even understand business. How dumb and stupid can you be? Like how do they know the company wasn't trying to to talk about what they can do to help these to help these workers? And then you've got these militant workers interrupting their their meeting. See, here's the thing. You can be angry at someone and they say, "Well, we're having a meeting." How do you know that that they're not trying to help you? They may not be able to come out and say they're helping you because maybe someone's twisting their arm, but they might be trying to help you secretly. Give the other person a chance. Give them a chance to prove themselves good or bad, either way. But they didn't do that. So then it goes on to say, da 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 da, the company's public image began to suffer. Well, I'm not surprised they got shamed. FLOC then targeted three members of Campbell's board of directors for economic pressure. FLOC also picketed Philadelphia National Bank, one of Campbell's major creditors. Now, how did they know that 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 Campbell's was doing business with Philadelphia National Bank? I'll tell you how. A dirty rat, a snitch. Someone inside on the bank. See they're not supposed to divulge or release that information because technically depositors have the right to privacy. That'd be like if you or I had a bunch of money in a bank and then one of the employees there looked at our bank account and go, "Hmm. You know, I don't like Leslie Sullivan. I don't like how much money she has. She has trillions of dollars. I don't think she deserves any of that. So I'm going to find a way to shame and blame her." And I'm going to make sure that no one ever wants to do business with her again. That's what these people did. How evil is that? They're trying to ruin Campbell's 
credit. Like how would you like if someone sabotaged and ruined your credit score because you didn't do what they wanted you to do or you didn't do what they yeah, you know what I mean. They didn't get their way. Because you wouldn't cave in to their wishes and desires. That's evil. But you see here's the thing, they give themselves permission to do evil things because they value their rights more than yours. That's wrong. It's selfish and it's greed. And I'm surprised that financial institution would allow this because it says here shortly thereafter depositors threatened to pull $500,000 out of the bank. That's really sad. So basically punching the bank, punching Campbells, it's horrible. That's not right. Like financial institutions are are held to a higher level of integrity than migrant workers. And that's not meant to be disrespectful of migrant workers, but here's the thing, a financial institution is just that. It's a financial institution. They have rules, laws, and regulations that are far more stringent than yours. Because they're dealing with the FDIC. So they're dealing with things on a national level and an international level. In 1985, Campbell's agreed to establish a commission to implement an anti-poverty program amongst its workers. Basically, kind of reminds me of uh, President Johnson when he did the war on poverty. Did it work? No. We still have poverty. And we're creeping into socialism. It doesn't work. As long as there are people on this planet, we will have poverty. The way people get out of poverty is they get themselves out of poverty. You do that in a free country with democracy and capitalism. But these people don't believe in democracy or capitalism. That's why there's probably an increase of poverty amongst these workers. It's because they would rather strike then view themselves as a financial asset to the company basically make yourself valuable but instead they made themselves a burden that's pretty dumb it says chaired by dunlap the commission began acting as a labor relations board in the fall of 1985 campbell's officials agreed to negotiate with floc in february 1986 floc the growers and campbells announced a collective bargaining agreement which recognized floc as the workers representative and provided for wage increases grievance resolution health insurance and committees to study pesticide safety housing healthcare and daycare issues campbells agreed to purchase a fixed portion of growers crops a guarantee that allowed growers to increase wages without fear that Campbells would take its business elsewhere. Here's the thing, Campbells has every right to take its business elsewhere. They've every right to do that. Get over it. You know, it's like if I don't like the products at Walmart, I have every right to go to Target and buy my stuff there. Or let's say I don't want to shop at Target, let's say I want to go shop at Dollar Tree or Dollar General, I have every right to shop where I want to shop. Campbells has the same right as well, but they got bullied. It's almost like, you know, how would you like being forced to do something you don't want to do? That's what happened here. Shortly thereafter, FLOC reached deals with Vlasic, Heinz, which Heinz Ketchup, Green Bay Foods, now part of Dean Foods, Aunt Jane's, now part of Dean's Foods, and Dean Foods. Within a year, FLOC had also signed packs with 23 of the largest cucumber growers in Ohio and Michigan as well. Makes you wonder how they were able to get those packs, right? 
Like I'm raising my eyebrows with this. FLOC continued to address issues related to its collective bargaining agreement in the late 1980s. Midwestern tomato farmers began complaining that the Campbell's soup pact was not adequate. See, they got their pack and then they say, "Oh, it's not enough." It's never enough with these people. Campbell's purchased only a portion of their product, but the higher cost of wages and benefits affected their entire crop. So basically, it's not good enough. Thus, Midwestern growers argued that they could no longer compete with cheap Mexican-grown products. Then go to the table and renegotiate. Figure it out. Valasquez contacted Mexican farm worker unions. Then, in the midst of their own collective bargaining negotiations, Valasquez pressured the Mexican unions to demand significantly higher wages. That was a big mistake him doing that because Mexico is a very corrupt country, and we're going to see what happens to one of their people later in this article, and it's really sad. The strategy was successful. The higher Mexican wages and benefits closed the price of differential, and Midwestern growers no longer threatened to break their pack with FLOC. FLOC also fought back against subtle state-sponsored pressure. The union successfully sued the Ohio, sorry, Ohio Highway Patrol (OHP) in September 1996 for stopping Hispanic migrant workers without justification. In some cases, confiscating green cards. Here's the thing: they have every justification to stop someone if they think they're here illegally. That's their job. The police and patrol—that's what they're trained on: safety, safety of the country, safety of the state, safety of the area. If someone is there illegal, they want to know who, what, when, where, how, why. I will say this: they did not have the right to confiscate green cards because that's wrong. The other stuff—they have every right to stop somebody. Are they profiling? Sure. Yes. Do they have a right to do that? Yes. When someone sees me, they're profiling me. They know I'm Caucasian. I have blonde hair at the moment. I have kind of dark brown hair because I dyed it really dark brown several years ago. Now it's growing out blonde again. They have every right to profile me. Okay, white woman, semi-blonde hair, green eyes, whatever the case may be. That's profiling. You're basically sizing someone up. And here's another thing: they might have been looking for a drug cartel. Guess what? Drug cartels are Hispanic. Duh, we know this. So of course they're going to be stopping people that look like they're migrant. Because they know they could have drugs on them, because drugs have been entering the United States for years, and it's always coming from the South. So who do you think they're going to stop? Mexican, Hispanics. I mean, get over it. If, if, let me put it this way: If we had a bunch of Irish people coming over here continuously with cocaine, guess what? There would be a note, or what do you call it? a? Um, Try to think. Whatever that an acronym is. Whenever the FBI or the police need to be aware, like I'm most wanted, or there's a particular group you need to look out for. If you see a huge influx, I'm making this up. If you see a huge influx of Irish people coming here, we've got a huge influx of cocaine coming in for Ireland. You need to stop every Irish person from Ireland and, and inspect their bags. That's what you do when you suspect something. You don't always have proof, but you but you you have to. You have to believe in what you have to believe in the goodness of law enforcement, and that's really tough for me to say sometimes because we do have some bad police officers here in the state of Oklahoma. But here's the thing: if they have a warrant, or if they have a you know a, a news flash or something, I don't mean like from the TV, but I forget what it's called when they get a notice, almost like a travel notice of something that's hitting the country. And it's coming from a certain area. It's a certain group of people. 
this is hey if you see some that fits this profile you need to pull them over and ask them some questions guess what if it fits that profile guess what that's profiling and that's legal get over it that's what they're supposed to do that's their training i mean that that's just part of how you run a good country that doesn't give them permission to abuse them to steal from them none of that i can't stand that stuff in fact i hate it because it's immoral illegal and it's wrong but profiling is legal and it is the correct thing to do if you're looking for something specific and you're supposed to be aware of something they need to be profiling but there's an appropriate way and an inappropriate way i'm always for the appropriate way because it should be legal on a federal and state level to me it has to satisfy both In December 1997, a federal district court judge issued a preliminary injunction restricting the OHP from questioning motorists about immigration status. I completely disagree with that federal court judge and seizing immigration documents. I agree that the seizing immigration documents is illegal, but not the first thing. Questioning motorists about immigration, they have every right to do that. Here's the thing, a federal district court judge did not honor the law of the land from a federal level. Immigration. That's basic to any country. Immigration to know who is coming and who is going in your country. That's basic. And here we have a judge that doesn't understand the law. Here's the thing, in order to become a judge, you have to have been a lawyer. You have to have gone to law school and usually you are either elected or appointed into these. I think they're appointed if it's federal district. State I think are voted, but federal I think they're appointed. So it's a it's a very important role to be a federal district court judge. Like you're supposed to have a whole lot more knowledge and wisdom than the average person. But here we see they're a moron and an idiot because they don't even believe in the safety and the protections that are guaranteed in this country. They caved in. What they should have done is they should have split that. They should have said, "Okay, You can profile, but you can't seize documents. This federal court judge, district court judge completely failed. Even I can see that, and I've never been to law school. Like obey the law of the land, but sometimes these judges, they think they are above the law of the land, and they're not. That's the arrogance of those positions sometimes. Not every judge is bad, but not every judge is good. That's why it's good to rotate judges. My personal opinion. FLOC also began to expand its organizing efforts. The union sought to protect its gains in the cucumber fields by organizing migrant workers in the nation's second largest cucumber growing region, North Carolina. I didn't know that about North Carolina. That's interesting. Let's see here. There it lists a boycott. We're going to skip that because of course they're going to boycott something. But this is why this is probably going to be the last thing I'm going to talk about because it's kind of a long podcast, but this is where Um, a man was assassinated in Mexico. On April 10, 2007, FLOC organizer Santiago Rafael Cruz was found bound and beaten to death in the group's office in Monterrey, Mexico. FLOC had opened an office next to the US consulate in the city in 2005 to help guest workers process their visas and to organize these incoming guest workers into the union, basically illegals. Why else would they be right next door to the consulate? Like, like think about that. They 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 had a goal and it wasn't good. However, when Mexican police announced that a suspect had been arrested in Cruz's death, they stated he died for failing to deliver on a shady four thousand five hundred dollar promise 
to provide visas for the friends of his alleged killer. The $4,500 was to arrange for documents for other people so they could go to the United States to work. The group's Monterey, uh, Monterey offices had been broken into several times in the past year, and union staff members had received a number of threats. Cruz, who was 29 years old, had supervised the Monterey office for less than a month. The Nuevo Leon State Police said Cruz's murder was not related to trafficking in illegal narcotics, yeah, right, but rather due to a fight between unions or an internal fight with an FLOC. Here's another thing. In Mexico, it's commonly known that if you don't want the police to mess with you or the drug cartels to mess with you, you have to pay them off. If you don't pay them off, you're going to get messed with or killed. Because Mexico is still very corrupt even to this day. FLOC vigorously disputed the findings. FLOC officials claimed that organized crime, organized crime figures had murdered Cruz in retaliation for, F, for FLOC's efforts to resolve grievances concerning abuses in the guest worker recruiting system, which FLOC says are dominated by criminal syndicates. That very well could be true. Because they obviously irritated, I was going to say pissed off, I'm trying to use good language here. This guy obviously rubbed, um, rubbed someone the wrong way. And unfortunately, it cost him his life. And he may not have even done anything necessarily wrong. But he obviously was involved in something that did not go down very well. And he lost his life because of it. FLOC petitioned the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights for Protective Measures. The commission immediately granted the petition, which requires that the Mexican government provide FLOC members and staff with adequate law enforcement and security while in Mexico. Two months after Cruz's death, the Mexican government agreed to require local police officers to sign in daily at FLOC's Monterey office and agreed to install security cameras throughout the building where FLOC's offices are located. FLOC President Velasquez and Representative Marcy Captur, a Democrat from Ohio, met with officials from Office of the Attorney General of Mexico, a lot of good that did, to resolve problems with the implementation of the new security measures. Although the, IH, the IACHR, I don't even know what that is, has been pressuring the Mexican government since early May to install the cameras, the Nuevo Leon and federal government disagree over who will pay for them. So basically they're not going to do it. The police officer visits to the union offices also have been less frequent than promised. Why am I not surprised? I am not surprised at all with this. So... I'm going to skip the next part, um, but here's the thing. One of the things that they did was they made it so that migrant workers can almost have just as many rights as American workers, and that's not right because they're not here legally. That's why there were problems with this down in Mexico. So there's definitely some shadiness going on within this because when you think of farm labor organizing committee, you think of farmers that are like just regular white people, Midwesterners. I mean, that's who you think of just off the bat because you think of farm labor. But then when you realize it's really geared towards migrant farm workers, you realize it's not what you think it is. And you realize that It's definitely got some problems and it's not right. It is definitely not right. And it, it continues to have problems. And that's really sad because it shouldn't have problems like that. Now, the reason why it's having problems is because they technically are breaking the law. 
I mean, they're trying to make it seem like they're not, but they are. I mean, it's just how I word this. They skirt the law by basically crying wolf and then they latch on to a cause that pulls at your heartstrings. Well, again, we're not supposed to do everything based on our feelings and our emotions. Is it sad this guy lost his life? Yeah, but he's probably doing something probably not good. He may have been doing good, but I mean, to me it's very shady when they put their union office right next door to the US consulate. They're doing that to get people in here as quickly as possible. And that's not right. They need to go through our through our immigration process. So that tells me they think that citizenship in the United States can be bought and sold. Pretty much everything in Mexico is shady. Even the shade down there is shady. I mean, Mexico is a beautiful country, but it is very corrupt. Like I remember, I was working at this one job several years ago. I was a front desk receptionist. I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before. And um, they, uh, my boss, who wasn't a good boss, um, she's telling me that she's going to. Um, I can't remember where she said she's going. Some place down in Mexico. I was looking. I was like, "Do you know that there's been a lot of tourists murdered down there, like American tourists by gangs?" She's like, "Oh, it's fine. We're going to a resort. It's, it's Leslie. You just don't know what you're talking about." I'm like, "Really? So you don't really think that that's important, like losing your life?" Like she was such a snob. But then, like not long after that, she came up to the front desk and said, "Well, my trip's off." And I was like, "Why?" And she said, "Well, we're not allowed to go there. The federal government has said, 'Hey, it's basically a no-fly zone, or you can't visit there.' It's like a try to remember what they call it, but it's on the Homeland Security website." of where it says it's a high risk area for Americans because you could very well be murdered. And one of the things that happened down there in that area previously um if why she did not go her and her husband did not go but um what happened was the drug cartels they know when Americans are there they can they can Americans can be spotted off a crowd easily by any other country like we definitely do not blend in. So these drug cartels they were pulling over these tourist buses at gunpoint having everybody um get off the bus you know by gunpoint they did horrible cruel things to these tourists and then shot them in the head and stole all their stuff off the bus they brutally murdered them oh they they decapitated they decapitated a bunch of these people that were on this one bus and they found their heads in one spot they found their bodies in another that's how cruel and evil some organizations are crime organizations are in Mexico. So what makes you think there's there's going to be anything good or legal or moral about trying to get migrant workers into the United States and they plant an office right next door to our US consulate. I think that's illegal because they're just setting up shop. It's just a revolving door to try and get people a hot ticket into immigration. And that's not right. That's the United States is not a stepping stone for people. We're a country. We are a good country. We are a wonderful, beautiful nation with many wonderful, beautiful people from all different backgrounds, all different races. But here's the thing. If you're trying to cheat us, and that's what that is. If you're trying to cheat, you're you're, you're cheating our country. And that's not right. I'm all for people coming here legally. That's great. 
Because I would expect to be held to the same accountability standards if I was to immigrate to another country. Like, I'll give you an example. I thought about immigrating to Canada one time because I couldn't find a job. I was like, well, I'll see what Canada has to offer. I'll tell you what, they didn't want me at all. They don't really want Americans in Canada. And what does that say about Canada and how they view Americans? They, they really only want Europeans there to, immig- to immigrate there, at least at that time. And then if you are European, you have to prove that you're super smart and brilliant. Like you have to prove you've been to university. Like you can't just get into Canada and be ignorant or be a farmer or, or a migrant worker. It's not like the United States where you can sneak in. Canada, oh man, it's, it's way more difficult. Canada tells people no all the time. Does anyone call them out on it? No. Not at all. What's interesting is that they tell a bunch of people no, but then... Um, The Canadian government, they actually let in all these Muslims, and there's this one young guy, he had actually murdered a bunch of people over in the Middle East, and he was brought over to Canada, and he was being held in prison, and then the Canadian government, this is how stupid they are, and how socialist and evil they are, their, their government there in Canada, this guy actually sued the Canadian government. See, here's how he escaped death. He was killing all these people over in the Middle East, this Muslim guy, and It's like once he realized he, he was going to get killed either by the United States or Canada, you know, by you know, soldiers, he threw his gun down and said, I surrender. Well, if they surrender, it's like you can't kill them. Like, why not go ahead and shoot them? They're murderers. Like, he was just, he was just playing the system. He's a scammer. He totally knew that all he had to do, he could kill as many people as he wanted, be brutal as much as he wanted to Christians, And the moment he gets caught or semi-caught, he just goes, oh, I repent or, I, you know, I, you know, I, 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 how to describe it? Like, I give up or whatever. Whatever words that they use. I'm not sure if they say I surrender, but they basically just throw up their hands. They throw up a fake white flag, basically. So then they get thrown into custody because they know that they can be taken to another country, one of, one of these nicer countries. And so what this guy did, he was in prison for I don't know how long. And uh, then he ended up suing the Canadian government, claiming injustice. Yeah, he's a murderer, a brutal, evil, wicked murderer. And then he got out of prison. Why he got out, I don't know. He should have been executed. First of all, he should have been executed on the battlefield. And secondly, he should have been executed back when he got in Canada. And I'm not saying he was from Canada. He was obviously from the Middle East. But my thing is, is that he used the system to his advantage. So he gets out. And guess what? He sues the Canadian government for millions of dollars and or women. He either sued them or they felt sorry for him and they gave him a bunch of money. I think that's what it was. There's so many cases where Canada is so stupid. There was one where they got sued and they went ahead and just paid the guy. And another guy, he, I don't even think he sued, but Canada gave him millions of dollars and apologized for imprisoning him. But yet he murdered people over in the Middle East. He was an enemy to the United States and to Canada and technically to Europe. And yet Canada paid him all these dollars, these millions of dollars. I'm like, wow, so basically the monies that the Canadian government took out of Canadians' paychecks went towards this killer. So not only was he not executed, which he should have been, it should have been capital punishment. Not only did he not get executed, he got out of prison and then got paid millions of dollars. And he was still in his 20s, so he, he got to be a very rich murderer. 
Like that's why you have to be careful who you let into your country. And pay attention to how your government officials are running your country. Are they paying attention to immigration statuses? Are they paying attention to who they're letting in? Are they making the right judgment calls? Do we have the right judges in charge of things? Are are the correct rulings being appropriated? Like all these things matter because if they don't matter then you don't have real justice and your country doesn't have real authority. Canada is a joke. Like everybody knows, I remember as a kid and even as a teenager, it was commonly known that it was commonly known that if ever there was a draft and you did not want to serve in the US military, just be a coward, be yella and go to Canada. They'll take you. Or if you turned 18 and you did not want to sign up for the draft, even if we were in war, you could just go to Canada. That's if they don't track you down. But Canada takes in people like that. What does that say about Canada? Are there good people from Canada? Sure. But Canada is known for two things, big time: socialism, um, their lack of taking in smart immigrants, and then if you don't want to fight in your military, you, you know you can be a coward. and go escape there and live there and live the high life while your brothers and sisters of your country go out and fight and possibly die for your freedom that's the thing i mean what does that say about canada that's why we have to be careful with stuff like this because it really does matter because there's always a cause and effect to this like when i heard about that guy that that horrible murderer that young muslim guy when i heard he got millions of dollars from canada from the government and they apologized to him they actually apologized for arresting him for imprisoning him you know what that would be like that would be like us you know arresting osama bin laden and then freeing him from prison and then giving him millions of dollars and apologizing for arresting him when he murdered he was the mastermind of murdering so many americans that's what that's like it is such a slap in the face to your people that's what the canadian government did they totally slapped their people in the face that tells me they don't really value the safety and the lives of the canadian citizens much less the world like i remember watching a youtube video of um trudeau the the, the playboy guy that runs canada um he uh he's such a moron like um there's this government official that's trying to call him out on some of the stuff he's done or has not done because he's a moron and he's just very much above it all and kind of a snob and he kind of thinks he's untouchable and sometimes he is why because people have made him untouchable they they've made it so that he's not really held accountable for stuff even though he's he's Canada's leader. And get this, some people like him and they voted him in. I feel so sorry for Canada because they keep having bad people be their leader. It's like, you know, you you, you need to be careful who you elect. Big time. Like that's just basic. And I'm so surprised that anyone would ever vote in Trudeau. He is so incompetent. He's such a socialist. He, he like there's one um YouTube video of him. This was I don't know how many years ago, but this uh reporter, this really nice young lady, she was asking him a question 
Instead of answering her question, he 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 uh, corrected her grammar and very rudely about pronouns. Because you remember, Canada has been having a problem with uh, pronouns. So basically, they're trying to reassign they're trying to reassign gender pronouns to people. They don't believe in he and she. It's like, look, you're either male or female. Okay, like your DNA says that. If you're to take a blood sample from someone and you don't even know, like like you don't even get to see the person, you don't get to see their name, you don't get to see their body build nothing. If all you have is a vial of their blood and you look at it and you run a test to see if it's male or female, you're only going to see one or two things or one of two things. It's either male or female. And guess what? You don't get to choose that. You're born that way. But Trudeau, he's into this transgen- transgenderism, LGBTQ, XYZ, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, whatever numbers and alphabet letters they have in there, I don't get it. I don't understand it because what I don't understand about saying what I don't understand about the transgender movement and the in the mentality is that they claim they're born this way and they're, they're just trying to be who who they were born to be. I'm like, "No, you're not. You're mutilating your body." Because if you're trying to be who you were born to be, you would go with who you who your DNA says you are. And let me give an example. Let's say for example, you know, I think there's that 23 and me or something like that, like ancestry.com and those things like if you send in your your blood or your DNA, They can tell you if you're British, like your ancestors, British, French, Wales, Irish, Russian, Ukrainian, Polish, whatever, you know, Eskimo, African American. Let's say, let's say you get a, a panel of what you are from your DNA. Let's say, you know, let's say you're you're completely European. You are Scottish. Let's say you're Scottish and French. If you were to go through the transgender transgenderism kind of thinking, You you know let's say you say why well, would it be who I'm who who I'm born who I'm born to be So I'm going to say I'm Mexican So I'm going to do everything I can to force myself to look Mexican I'm going to change my body I'm going to change my skin color I'm going to change my eye color to be brown eye dark skin dark hair Even though most Europeans do not look like that but if you think the way a transgender person thinks You fool yourself into thinking, "Oh, I'm born to be this way, so I'm going to do everything I can to force my body to be something else." Well, guess what? If you're having to try and force your body the outside to be something that's not born that way, then guess what? You're not trying to be who you were born to be. It's like, why can't you just accept who you are? See, cuz here's the thing, what happens a lot with these transgenders and also homosexual men, I haven't found this so much with uh, homosexual women like with lesbians, but with homosexual men and transgenders, You know, they just browbeat you. Accept me for who I, who I was born to be. I was like, I, I I respect you regardless of what you are, but you're not even trying to be who you were born to be. You're changing your sex and you're changing your sexual identity based on feelings and emotions and all this stuff. Like that's not relevant. That's not right. Like they they keep tooting this horn. Oh, you have to do what I say. No, I don't. You tell me to. You know, respect you were born to respect who you were born to be or what you were born as, but you're not even respecting yourself. It's the same thing with Trudeau up in Canada. He is totally disrespecting all of his citizens by pulling the whole oh we're going to 
redo pronouns in the English language or whatever language they speak up there, which is French and English. But it's like, you know, you, you can't do that to people. People are people. They're human beings. And here's the thing. If, if someone's wanting to change their sex, I think they, they have problems. They need help. Because if you're wanting to change your sexual identity like that, and that is really extreme, then you're not willing to be who you were born to be because your DNA tells you whether you're a male or female. So why not embrace who God made you to be? And then there may be some that say, well, I don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. Your DNA doesn't lie. You're either male or female. It's just like when you donate blood. I'm trying to think how many different blood types there are. There's A, there's O, let me look up here. Blood types. Let me look up here. Okay, so there's A, B, A, B, and O. And I think there's O positive or negative. I'm trying to remember what I am. Because I used to donate a lot of blood when I was younger. But my point is this. Let's say if you're type A. That's what you're born to, that's what you're born to be is type A. That's just what you are. Oh, wow, there's a whole bunch. Oh, wow, look at this. A positive, A negative, B positive, B negative, AB positive, AB negative, O positive, and O negative. I didn't know there were that many. That's really cool. I learned something new. There's eight possible blood types. But here's the thing. Let's say you're A positive and you want to be B negative. You can't change that. That's who you are naturally. Like, you can't change your DNA You can't change any of this. So whenever people try and say, oh, well, you know, I'm going through, you know, transitioning. Well, guess what? In order to transition, they have to take these hormones. They have to force their body to do something it's not naturally doing. What does that tell me? They're trying to force their body to do something that's unnatural. It's going the opposite of what their body was naturally born to do. So that tells me they're not trying to be who they were born to be. And I'll say this. If, if you are sexually confused, number one, I would pray about it. Especially if you don't believe in God, I still think you should pray. Because you need a lot of help with this. But here's the thing. If you are confused sexually, I really think you should hold off on changing your identity. Because if you start changing yourself when you are confused in, in any way in your life... You might be choosing the wrong avenue. And when it comes to sexual re- reassignment, and it really grosses me out with this stuff, they mutilate your body. Like there are people that have switched from being a male to a female or a female to, them, to a male, and then they regret their decision. But guess what? I don't know if they can ever go back. I don't know if you can undo that. Look, surgery is surgery. I know that... might sound extreme but it is but it's just I apologize I don't mean to get off topic but you know talking about Trudeau he um just the arrogance of him trying to change pronouns really screws people up and get this it screws up young people it brainwashes them it brainwashes them just like that guy was brainwashed at the age of 6 or 12 going on strike for the first time or whatever A 12-year-old, like, they don't know to do that. A 12-year-old doesn't know to switch genders. 
most girls at that age are just starting to get their period. Maybe even a little bit before then. And then guys, they don't hit puberty till way later after girls. So how can children know that they that they should be something else? They don't know. They're being brainwashed by adults. I think you know that is so stealing someone's childhood. And it's also stealing their identity. Cuz guess what? When you're stealing something, thievery is thievery. So don't steal from people. Don't brainwash them. Let them be who they are naturally born to be. Children need to figure out who they're supposed to be. That's their personal identity. And I don't think it's right for adults to do some of the things that they're doing with these kids. I don't care what kind of brainwashing it is, whether it's with labor, uh, you know, um, labor laws or rights or strikes or, you know, sexual identity or pronouns or, you know, being gay, straight, whatever, like, I'm just surprised that this stuff keeps happening when you know what we we have a culture where it's like don't tell me what to do but guess what we're doing we are massively telling other people what to do instead of treasuring their individuality and who they were called to be as a human being we need to give everybody a chance to blossom into whatever flower god has made them to be cuz no two flowers are exactly alike Even a rose is not the same as another rose. There are so many species of roses. Like, just think about that. Like, there's so many different species of corn. And then there's, well, let's say tomatoes. There's so many different types of tomatoes. I'll give an example that's not even, you know, based on the human race. Let's say you have a potato, like a regular Idaho potato, russet potato. Have you ever known a recipe potato to say, "I want to be a sweet potato." So I'm going to get a surgeon to change me so that I can be a a, a sweet potato. Guess what? Even if a recipe potato changed its outside to be a sweet potato, it's still not going to taste like a sweet potato and genetically it's still not going to be a sweet potato. It's going to be a recipe potato. Regardless of what you do, that's dna that's genetics and what i find interesting with transgenderism and these sex changes is that you know we have all these people that are against um bioengineering and there's like bioethics committees and things like that like they're they're against um these companies how are word this making plants and produce and food um uh, bug resistant. So they're trying to change or they are changing the DNA of the foods and fruits that we're eating, which I think is wrong. But um you know if it's not right for these companies to manipulate the DNA and the genetic makeup of fruits and vegetables and oh it's wrong, it's bioethics, then how is it also not wrong to mutilate someone else's body and change them into a different sex? That's what I find interesting. Like it's so I think it's so interesting like for years I've noticed this. I noticed this when I was a teenager. Whales have more rights than humans in the United States. A whale, a big old fat fish and I love whales. But they're huge, they're beautiful, but you know, it's like I was telling somebody because I was having a rough day one time. I said, "You know, if I had a blowhole and I lived out in the ocean, I I would be treated way better than what's going on right now." because we have 
dehumanized being a human. And we have over-prioritized other things to take the place of the importance of the human race and the dignity of being human. And that it, that also happens within some of these labor unions. They overhumanize one group, but they dehumanize others. They overhumanize the workers. Oh, they're migrant, they're from a poor country. Who cares? They're a person. That doesn't mean they're more important than somebody else. But what these labor unions do, they overhumanize and create favoritism for one group and then they dehumanize corporate America, corporate companies, private business owners, entrepreneurs, board members, committees. And they think they have the right to do that. It's not right. It's not right at all. It never has been, never will be. But I will go ahead and end this podcast because I didn't realize we're getting close to two hours. But this is a really good one. It's very interesting. Um, the next one is going to be the Gay and Lesbian Labor Activist Network. That one should be interesting for sure. But anyway, I will go ahead and end this podcast. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.